You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Star Wars news in a single file. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark Newbold and Mark Wolcaster. That's not true. That's impossible. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of Making Tracks, brought to you by the fine folk over at fanfortracks.com. My name's Mark, I am one of your co-hosts, and today, as always, I am joined by the man with a plan, and by the plan I mean this week's running order, Mr Mark Newbold. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm very good, but I've, I've got to say I did get the running order wrong. We're actually going to now go into the outro. Okay. And then work our way jumbled from there, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> I'm very well, how are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, buddy. How'd your week in Star Wars been? It's been a busy one. I mean, loads to talk about this episode. Uh, good things that have happened, and but mostly things that we bought. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a good week. <laughs> lots, lots going on, and life is just sort of bobbling along. It's still Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah, it still is. But hey, that's fair. And you know, I think I've said to you before that my girlfriend kind of considers yourself to be kind of like my um my my main enablers because this week I did pick up, and it's fan for tracks full. I did pick up one of those Hasbro. Uh, remote control dios which are selling for like a song on amazon oh, that's that is the deal of the century normally it's what 115 quid or something crazy yeah. like that for the like i say the remote control dio the hasbro dio and they did a deal for what was it 25 pounds 20, yeah 25 quid and because i got prime i got obviously free shipping and it arrived the next Same. day yeah i mean i can't say i've actually cracked him out of a box or anything yet but he looks cool and i think actually i, I forgot i have actually seen him and i've played around with him at a convention and he is really cool because he kind of plays fetch with the ball and he follows the little kind of controller ball you've got. And, yeah, it doesn't work quite so well on carpets, I'm told. But if you've no. got, like, a laminate floor like we have throughout most of the house, you, you're pretty much sorted. I just don't know if I can actually bear it to, to crack it open, to be honest, because it's well, quite a cool I, box. This, this is the box. I've opened him up. I got him out and I charged him up. I haven't downloaded the app yet because it's app-enabled. Yep. I haven't done that yet, but he's charged up. It's very clever. The top and bottom of the box is plastic. So when you take the top and the bottom off, it basically pops together to make the stand that he sits on, ah, the little grey stand that he sits yeah. on. So it's really clever. Beautifully put together. I've put the batteries in so he's ready to go. just need to download the app and give him a run. So hopefully by next week we'll have, uh, I'll be able to tell you how, uh, how efficient he is. I'm pleased to have him on the shelf. I'm, I might have to try and find some shelf space for him then and, and crack him out. I mean, I, I got the BB-8 Sphero. I didn't get, and I'm, I, I am still kicking myself about not getting the, the Sphero R2 because... That was the one that I really liked. But the one thing I did with BB-8 was you could watch Force Awakens and he would kind of interact with what was, was going on on the screen. So that was probably the longest amount of time I actually spent playing with, with BB-8. <laughs> um, what shall we start with? Shall we start with some like very happy streaming news? Happy streaming news that's not related to be me blowing my nose. Yes, let's start <laughs> nice. with that, Mark. Let's start with that. For those who haven't seen it on the website... By website, I mean Fab Tracks. Mark the 2nd of April in your calendars as it will be a day long remembered because Disney Plus is finally adding some classic Star Wars TV shows to the streaming service. Both the original live action made for TV movies, The Caravan of Courage and Ewok Adventure, and the sequel, The Battle of Endor, is dropping, as well as both seasons of the animated Ewoks cartoon and the Gendi Tarkovsky Clone Wars micro series. 
but also I think quite surprisingly because it's only available on a Blu-ray uh, bonus disc is the, the animation from the Star Wars Holiday Special, which is entitled The Story of a Faithful Wookiee, but we basically all know it as the Boba Fett animated cartoon. Early days with Star Wars, and I think it kind of goes back to when Detours was made and then they didn't release it after the purchase because they didn't want to muddy the waters. This gives me confidence that at some juncture Detours will just crop up on Disney+. Plus. Why wouldn't it? And I think people will dig it. And people know what Disney's era of Star Wars is about now because they're expanding the world through the TV and, and obviously we've had five movies. To get these on as a historical look at mid-80s Star Wars with Caravan of Courage in 84, Battle for Ender on 85, Ewoks and Droids was two seasons around the same time. Obviously, Tartakovsky Clone Wars was 2003, so you're into the prequel trilogy era. And then stepping back to the holiday special, I mean, that's the one that really surprised me. The, yeah. the others didn't blow me away in surprise that they were coming out because it felt like they needed to. And I'm, I'm still curious if and when, but hopefully when Droids finally gets resolved and they can get that on there. But... The holiday special and that animated sequence, anything to do with the holiday special coming onto the official streaming platform of Star Wars, Disney+, Plus, I was really surprised by that. Yeah, it's, it's big news, really, when you think about it. Like you said, I mean, because nobody really wants to put any level of ownership to this holiday special, really, I think, from Lucasfilm. It's kind of one of those no. things that, that happened and, you know, they could take it all back. They probably would, or maybe even redo it in a slightly different way with greater kind of like um, oversight. It might have turned out something a little bit different. I'm really excited because I think I said this before, the Ewoks cartoons and the Droids cartoons were definitely my first real memories of being introduced to Star Wars. I watched those on BBC TV after school in the mid-80s, even before I I really think I saw any of the Star Wars films. So for me, Ewok, it's kind of got a very special, unique place in my heart, which I'm sure a lot of people will kind of be like, what are you doing, Molecaster? Caravan Courage and Battle of Endor, they are kind of like a snapshot in time based on everything. They were small, micro-budget productions, really, I think. I don't think they had a huge amount of uh, money behind them. But they've also, you know, they worked in in a fairly creative way to kind of get the most out of it. And also we've got Blurgs in it, which happened to then be seen again in Mandalorian. So it's synergy now, isn't it? And I suppose in some respects, by possibly even having the Blurgs in the Mandalorian, it kind of maybe adds a little bit of legitimacy to it. Because I think if we had asked Disney Plus and Disney back when the streaming service was first announced and released, they probably would say they have no plans. So it's great that they're now getting round to it finally. So hopefully they will release a droid TV series as well. If you look at each of the releases, Cameron and Courage Battle for Endor, obviously Jedi 40th is coming up, but you just mentioned Blurgs, which makes all the sense. Holiday Special, Mando's Amban Phase Rifle, which is what Fett uses yep. in the animated section of that. Tartakovsky Clone Wars, they've just announced in War of the Bounty Hunters that Dirge is coming back. So That's he, right. he yeah, first exactly. appeared in this. So there's lots of links between what's happening now and what we're getting here. Totally with you for droids. The summer of 84 for me was Star Trek 3, Search for Spot, Temple of Doom, and Caravan of Courage. They were the three films I'd go back to the cinema and keep seeing. When I was a member of Bantha Tracks, you got a poster, Caravan of Courage poster, the Drew Struzan poster there, and a little badge with a picture of uh, Wicket on it. So that was obviously very present in our thoughts in 84, but as we moved past the trilogy because we didn't know what was coming. The Ewoks animated show, I wasn't so much into Ewoks, I was really into droids. I was at that point where I was sort of videoing it and then watching it back and writing yeah. down all the names of the characters and names of the ships. I had a little <laughs> you know, a little database of stuff from the droids and such. So it was great fun. So I really hope, yeah, like you say, I really hope droids comes, but absolutely stoked for what we've got here. Funny you should mention about writing that because I basically did exactly the same for Ewoks. So the really? only kind of bit of... 
I suppose you say fan fiction, but not really. It was kind of like a, a reference was I wrote like the guide to the Ewoks, which is a kind of like a, I mean, a, a 19 page kind of document. And it was kind of, was basically like, like an encyclopedia for, for the Ewoks. You know, we are kind of very similar, actually. It's quite funny. I, I don't think I kept it, which is a shame, because I bet there's a ton of spelling mistakes and grammatical errors, <laughs> which is no surprise if anybody's read any of my articles. How did you spell Kinesa? I mean, come on. Exactly. Well, to be fair, actually, I, I think I've said this, uh, at least it's definitely no um, kind of like surprise to my girlfriend about it, but I think I said to her, one of my first crushes was probably Litara. Who was Ewok? Who was constantly chasing wickets? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, make of that what you will. I'm Anthony Daniels, and you are listening to Panther Tracks. Well done. First things first, hey handshake. Hey, 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 lovely. How you doing? Star Wars is Star Wars. It's bigger than pretty much anything. You must have had some moments on set when you stood back and went, "Wow." Was there a moment you can put your finger on that you just really took a breath and thought, "This is pretty cool"? You know. Um, it was my first day on set, I think. I turned up hundreds of stormtroopers running around. Um, it kind of makes you feel like a big kid. And um, I think that, that feeling is one that never really got old. Every day on set was something that was uh, surprising and something that I savoured. And as this is all coming to an end, it's, it's almost a bit sad. So award season carries on and nominations keep coming our way. And another one has landed for Riz Ahmed, Bodhi Rook in Rogue One. He's been nominated for The Sound of Metal. So in that film, he plays the role of Ruben, a heavy metal drummer who, because of obviously all the noise and crashing and bashing that's going around, loses his hearing and his battle with that. Consequently, though, because he's been nominated, he is officially the first Muslim actor to be nominated for a Best Actor Award. So fantastic news for Riz. Fingers crossed when the awards come. We've had John Boyega take over the Golden Globe for Small Axe, Red, White and Blue. So that was fantastic news. Congratulations, Riz. And fingers crossed when the awards happen later in April. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, and you are following Fanthatrax. Hasbro revealed more Black Series figures to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Lucasfilm, with a wave of four Black Series figures announced to commemorate the early Lucasfilm publishing program. The four figures were quite well received, albeit there's a, a little bit of a mix-up when it came to some of the naming, which we'll chat about in a minute. The wave is Jackson, Luke Skywalker from Etsy Empire, Darth Maul, Kia Kanos, or... Kana Jacks, depending on which way you look at the um the merchandising. Uh, Mark, <laughs> did you uh, did you get a chance to have a look at these? And more importantly, have you had a chance to pre-order these? Oh, dude, I, I will give a name shout and a name check straight away to my former co-host Dave Tree, his shop, all the cool stuff in Forded Bridge, ordered all four. So yeah, if you want to get your figures, go over there. It's all on the site. They look fantastic. I mean, as you say, Maul, Sith Apprentice with that beautiful artwork. I think that was a Dark Horse era comic, if I remember correctly. That's correct, so that yeah. looks fantastic. Jackson, as you've just mentioned, they've, they've gone for the Star Wars Adventures, the annual with Lando, which, and I did put this in the article when I posted it on the site, the very first time Kevin Scott publicly mentioned that Jackson was coming into continuity was live on stage at Celebration Chicago when he was our guest on the stage. And then Luke from, I mean, obviously, Edge of the Empire is a novel, but the Dark Horse adaptation, they've took that version of Luke and also added the Salamiri as well, which was a good Quite touch. Fun. Yeah, nice. Uh, nice little touch. So, so they all look fantastic, fantastic packaging. And apologies to Hasbro, because we've got friends there, but frankly, this is a, a bit of a cock-up. They've posted it and created it as Karna Jacks, but as Matt Booker straight away, if anyone knows Matt, his on-screen name since the 90s has been Karna Jacks, and straight away he went, that's not Karna Jacks, that's Keir Kanos. Uh, and yeah. you look, and Karna is much more black in his outfit, and it's on the covers of Crimson Empire 1 and 2, 
there's plenty of Kirkanos, Karnajak stuff out there. They've made a mistake. So obviously I think people are going to point the finger at Hasbro, but it has to be said, everything has to go through Lucasfilm. Everything has to go through Disney, up and down the chain. It's not been missed by one person. This has been missed by many. So this really is a quite a bad mistake yeah it's a bit of a yeah it's you could almost say it's kind of as bad as like for llm and fuckers really when you think about it mm-hmm. but but then you think well that was almost 40 years ago and it was a different time but how yeah. things are these days like you said everything gets approved i mean there's a big chunk of like text which i'm guessing will be some kind of biography for the character or at least the character in situ for the book yeah so the question is does that all need to be rewritten or what they're going to do i mean because Clearly, the, the figure is more important, and it's it's probably a lot, a ton, lot easier just to change what ten characters on packaging than it will be to to remold and resculpt the figure. Yeah, uh, wh- what would you prefer? Would you prefer Karna Jacks or would you prefer Kick Anos if you had the choice? Well, I, I'd, I'd like both if I want to be selfish well, yes. about it, and, <laughs> I, and pack, I really yeah. hope. Yeah, I really, yeah, and you mentioned the fall on for LOM, whatever, and suckers. <laughs> that was an understandable. Mistake because as kids we grew up with knowing that Zuckus was the grey one and Fallon was the beige one and then I don't know why they didn't leave it as it was but anyway that was their decision and they made it and they did a nice twin pack of that you just said it do you go by the artwork or do you go by the figure because if you go by the artwork it, it's Carna Jack's artwork they've got it back to front so I think there's Clearly. the potential to either just maybe I don't know how far down the chain they are with producing these figures physically in hand producing these figures whether they're out there and it's done. If that's the case, that's that's awkward. Or do they, well, not, maybe not recall, that's probably not a route that Hasbro wants to go down at the moment with the whole Corridium situation, which is another conversation entirely. So, I mean, they've already put a statement out saying, yes, we understand, we know if there's been an error and they've addressed it, if you like. And anybody, I guess, who's kind of a collector and that news fairly straight away that there was an, an issue, you would expect all that stuff, yeah. either the imagery, imagery and materials would have been supplied by Lucasfilm begin with and maybe somewhere and somewhere in the production process yeah the names have got confused and nobody's picked up on it at hasbro which you know it's understandable they have a lot of figures to kind of produce and a lot of different franchises and stuff so there's a lot of characters i I guess they they need to kind of keep down pat but you think just just to say mark you think if this passed the desk of somebody like pablo hidalgo pick a name or leland she or somebody like that they would have gone like like fandom did within 30 seconds. You would expect them to. Yes, exactly. You would expect them to. So, yeah, if it's, it's too late, well, then I guess what they do is they, they do the initial run, then they do a, like a, an error fix, and they, the later ones get fixed, and we end up having to buy two figures, which is basically exactly. what will happen. So, actually, yes. you know, if they start recalling it, there's going to be there's going to be people who will not be sending that stock back if, if it's got to that point, because they know, well, actually, if we hang on to this... Yep. I'll be able to sell these for like 10 times the price than I did before the um the recall. It will be a collector's oddity more than anything. It's they, Yeah, they can change the writing on the inside of the packaging to Keir Kanos and then release a Carnage because goodness knows there's plenty of other Crimson Empire comics that they could put the right way around. So fingers crossed they do that. Maybe a Celebration exclusive or something we'll get uh, we'll get the other guy. Yeah, that's true. That's, there you go. They've uh, got their convention exclusive lined up. So what do you make you of, the, um, of a Jackson figure? Because myself, I'm not. I think it's great that they're actually doing a figure, but I'm not necessarily too oversold on the kind of the sculpt. It's a weird one. We talked last week, Bowman's Green, releasing those beautiful prints, the yeah. 8 for Baduba 3 prints, and that's the first time we saw Jackson. So, And they're selling great. Cavan Scott's got one. 
people are digging it and they're selling a lot around the place so congratulations to the team at Bowman's Green fantastic and couldn't be better timed given that this has come out mm. so you look at that version of Jackson which a lot of people are familiar with and those early characters kind of get scoffed at a little bit and did especially through the 90s especially now there's a lot of love for that era and I think IDW Cavern again have done a wonderful job of reintroducing Jackson into continuity and bringing that character back to the point where you kind of look at Jackson and Jar Jar and sort of a similar tone. It's slightly goofy, a little bit quirky, but hey, it's Star Wars and everything fits. So I look at the version that's there on the packaging, beautiful cover, by the way, and that's kind of how I see him in my head. A sculpt of him in that style would have worked for me a little bit better than this yeah. sort of more Doug Wheatley, Dark Horse style Jackson. That's the sort of style I'm thinking in my head. You've got your original Marvel Jackson, the IDW Jackson. It did seem like a slightly odd version of Jackson to go for. Looks fantastic. Don't get me wrong. It looks great. And it is more sort of realistic inverted covers as much as anything Star Wars can be realistic. So I'm pleased with it. But, you know, you look at the animated version on the box, This the, uh, on the site, you know, we've got the pictures of the front cover of the box and the open box. You look at Jackson on the artwork of Jackson from IDW and then you look at the figure. It's obviously the same character, but... Yeah, it doesn't quite stack up, but yeah, I'm not Mario. complaining. Yeah. It does look nice. I've ordered it. I'm getting it, so. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he'll always be Bucky O'Hare to me. <laughs> Four figures, they're all out. Take you back about 100 quid if you're going to buy them all, but I say it's definitely worth it, and especially for those who are going to be collecting all the 50th anniversary Lucasfilm figures, it's, uh, it's a nice little set. For everything in one location, daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds, bookmark fanthatracks.com for Star Wars news 24-7, 365. So, Mark, get ready because we've got another listener's question. (gasps) Really? Cool. Christmas is coming. It's a very cool one. It's a very brief one, but I think it will give us plenty to chew on and talk about. I will read it out from top to bottom. Hi, Fanta. Quick question for you both. Over the years, I've noticed that some people refer to the original bounty hunter as Bob Fett, even though he is clearly called Boba Fett, as heard in the movies and the Mando TV series. What gives? And that's from Lee H. So, Mark, mm-hmm. yeah. what do you think? Because like Lee says, you know, there's Boba Fett and Boba Fett, and there's Leah and Leia and Han and Han. There's different ways of saying certain names. Yeah what's correct and what's not, and who's the arbiter of what is correct and what isn't. What do you think? Do you think there's room for different ways of saying different names? Yeah, to be fair, I mean, if you look at the original series, like you said, you've got Han and Han and uh, Leia and Leia, and, that, and that's actually kind of canon because it's actually in the films. It's only really the last couple of years or so that I really made a concerted effort to, to call Boba Fett Boba Fett and not Bubba mm. Fett. You know, that's just one of those things. I mean, it's, I suppose it's just like how different regions and in the country and across the world kind of pronounce stuff, you know. I mean, look at tomato, tomato and yeah. potato, potato. And, and that's not even getting into how they kind of pronounce stuff down in the southwest, down in like Yeovil and all that, you know, backwards area. So, um, <laughs> which is which is probably where from Lee's from, to be fair. So, um, oh, I so hope it is. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, even like Lucas, didn't he? He, um, I think it might have been at a celebration or something, or or an interview. But he, you know, he referred to the ice planet of Hoth as Hoth, and it's just like, and oh, it was yeah. one of those like I don't think anybody's ever it like I've never heard anybody kind of like refer to Hoth as Hoth, and it's just like you know, it's one of those things. I mean, it's it's a big galaxy, so I suppose lots of people are going to pronounce stuff very differently. Exactly. 
sometimes you're told how words are supposed to be said, and it bugs me because certainly you mentioned Forlom earlier and Zuckus in relation to the Hasbro stuff, uh-huh. and recently in Bounty Hunters, which is currently my favourite comic series at the moment, I love it. They've had Zuckus. Don't yep. think there's any other way you can say Zuckus. Zuckus, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and 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 what we know and have always known. Well, I say always known. Forlom to me was the beige character, and Zuckus was the metal robot, and they've swapped them around. So now Forlom is the robot, and Zuckus is the Gand. You know, the the beige yeah. character, if you want to call it that. They've both got a very similar head and face, anyway. And now in Bounty Hunters, all of a sudden. It's not for LOM, it's for L-O-M. And I, and I read it and I did a double take. I think I even mentioned it in the review. It was like, what? Where, where did that come from? That's, mm. I've never heard that character called for L-O-M before. And it made me think of v- 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 yeah, various of the things like in the UK, we call Darth Vader Star Destroyer the Executor. Yeah. In America, and I've been told by a variety of people, it's not executor, it's executor. It's the executor, which to me, an executor hands out a will. Because Imperial Star Destroyers are supposed to have the Barbarian, the Devastator, you know, the big heart-hitting names. And then the biggest ship at the time is called the Executor. Oh, we're going to come to your planet and hand you a notice to tell you we're going to destroy you if you don't do what we say. Wow, that carries a lot of heft, doesn't it? But the Executor is like, I ain't messing around with the ship called the Executor. Exactly. Just the name alone would get me out of the system. at at it's alliterative, so you say at 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 at. It's an at at, and yet you hear some people say no. It's an at at. You don't say at st, do you? And they go no, because that's stupid. Why would you say that? You say at at because it at at. I think I've always called it at at, but then I've always kind of deferred to atst. Yep, same. So it I rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? it rolls, yeah, atst. Yeah. yeah, and at at. But I suppose maybe we could kind of like meet in the middle and and call it an at at or an at at or something and just kind of like mix it up a little bit. <laughs> or I don't a know. walker. Just call it or a just walker. An imperial walker, which is kind yeah. of like a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, it's like we refer to uh, a snow speeder as a snow speeder and not an Incom T47 or even yeah. an X-Wing as a, you know, an Incom T65. So Yeah. But, but you know, I think with, uh, and, you know, a lot of these things are going back to the original trilogy with, with General Dodonna yeah. saying... Princess Leia. Leia. Leia, you know, yeah. Everybody else is calling her Leia. A lot of characters, like say Han and Han and Boba and Boba. Who's going to argue with Harrison Ford when he's filming the scenes in, in the desert and he goes, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where? And Richard Marquardt suddenly goes, who the heck's Boba Fett? It's Boba Fett. Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Exactly. You're in a pinch, you just say it, don't you? You're trying to get your point across. A lot of the names now, Finn. You can't say Finn any other way. Ray. You can't say Ray any other way. Mm. Poe. You can't say Poe any other way. Kylo. How do you say How do you say Kylo any other way? So certain names now are. It's very obvious how it's said, isn't it? There's always that thing, at least with the expanded universe, that it seemed like a lot of female characters ended in a ah. So you had Leah, and mm. you had Mara, and you had Callista, and you had Bria. It always seemed like that, and that's kind of like Spanish grammar because in mm. Spanish grammar you uh, you have the well, you have masculine and feminine words, and the feminine words tend to end in an ah. So like you know, it helps distinguish what they what they are in terms of characters. But I mean. That's me stretching. I mean, what's interesting, actually, is one character in The High Republic, the main bad guy who runs Nile, Marshawn Rowe, which is how they pronounced it in the audiobooks and that's how they pronounced it in, I think, the YouTube video as well, a little kind of two-minute, like, this is Marshawn Rowe, isn't he? Great and scary, rare. But then Kevin Scott and, I think, Justina Ireland were on a Zoom call and they called him Marquion Rowe. Now, which one is it? You know, we've got the guy who um, authored the book is, is saying Mark Elmrow, 
Mm-hmm. And then Star Wars and the actual official, I suppose you'd say, pronunciation and probably the way that I think everybody who would see it, because it's a C-H spelling, would probably say it's Marchion Row. Or Marchion. Or Marchion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but it's until like you get a definitive, this is how it's going to be said, one way or another, the scope for different different ways. And I, I mean, everybody knows who Boba Fett is and, yeah. and everybody knows who Boba Fett is. It, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anybody stop and kind of pick anybody up on it. More important than how you say it, because, like you say, regional accents and yeah. just how you perceive the word is, and you know, unless Lando came up to you and went, you know, stop calling me Lando, it's Lando or whatever, or Han says, I'm not Han Solo, I'm Han Solo. If the person actually comes to you Correct and corrects you, you yeah. then that's fair enough. I think the spelling is, is the thing. You know, classic in Star Wars is lightsaber, isn't it? I used to run a site called lightsaber, B-R-E. I used to get stick from Americans all the time saying it's B-E-R, but then you look at early comics yeah it was spelt b-r-e and then lucasfilm went no we've decided the spelling of lightsaber is b-e-r and that's how it's been ever since and that's fine you know so i think in terms of saying a word qui-gon Jinn refers to coruscant coruscant yeah whereas everybody else says coruscant yeah chorus not curus you know so there's little things like that and i think i could be wrong but i'm sure lucas used to refer to it as coruscant as in curacao sort of thing you know what i mean it was that sort yeah. of the way you said it I don't think there's a a specific way of saying certain names, but like you say, if Chewbacca came up to you and told you in no uncertain terms, it's Chewbacca, not Chewbacca. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Then you're you're being corrected by the right person because then you're kind of insulting them by not saying the name properly. You know, we've got the Heir to the Empire Luke coming out, mm. and there's a clone Luke in there, and, it, yes. and on the page it's Luke with two U's. I don't think you would actually say Luke. I think that was a visual cue to determine which of the Lukes we were talking about at the time. Yeah. You know, you don't say Luke any different. When I went back and re-listened to the unabridged version of Air to the Empire, not so long yeah. ago, because we had that, that chat with uh, the guys from Generation Skywalker. That's right. Um, so I listened to that and Mark Thompson, he kind of puts a bit of a pause in it. So it's like, a Luke, you've got to be able to distinguish between the two in the prose. One way or another. If we see them on screen, it's different because we'll clearly know which one's Luke Skywalker and which one's the clone because he'll be dressed slightly differently and they'll make him have, I don't know, a bit more stubble or something like that. And, Mm. you know, like we did with Superman, it was in Superman 3 when they had had that Superman fight and stuff. So I suppose it's just kind of like a a slight limitation on, on the medium to some degree. Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, Star Wars fan, Fanta Tracks fan. Let's change tact a little bit because uh, earlier this week, Warner Brothers have finally released the long-awaited Snyder Cut, Justice League. And it kind of got me thinking just about in the last five or six years, since really since Disney took over and with, you know, the change of directors and the turmoil with some of the, the films in production. Do you reckon there's any Star Wars films that would probably lend themselves or could possibly make a good candidate for a kind of Snyder director's cut kind of release? Well, first off, I saw the original Justice League, the 2017 Justice League, and yeah. it was a hot mess. So to take another $70 million and go back to that and try and salvage something else out of it, given that the original probably cost best part of 200 so that combined now this movie is one of the most expensive films ever made, you've got to be pushing sort of high 200s now in terms of how much they've spent on it. Yeah, It really is trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, so I don't know how they can hope to do it. And I haven't watched it yet, so I can't really judge the Snyder version Mm. too much because I've not watched it. Hopefully by next week I will have. But to your question, not so much in the way that they've done it on HBO Max and Sky Movies here in the UK 
uh, of re-releasing it as a freshly packaged thing because Star Wars and its continuity, which is so important, not canon because everything's canon, but continuity. I think you could unbalance things in a way that you wouldn't with something like DC or even Marvel because of all the spin-off material that Star Wars generates that other franchises don't. Yeah. You know, as an original trilogy fan, that every blink, every head turn, every character down a side street in Mos Eisley has a story. And the further down the Star Wars timeline we go, less characters get a story. But nevertheless, there's still things that happen that have effect on other things. It's a massive, you know, it's a massive thing that that sort of intertwines with each other in Star Wars to a level that it just doesn't anywhere else. That being said, if they did a Verticom a Snyder cut of, let's say, Rise of Skywalker, which, you know, I think they said they, in Verticomers, you know, it's been said or it's been put out there. Yeah. You know, they could have put a five-hour cut of Rise of Skywalker together because there was so much material that they had to trim down. And that's not to say there is a five-hour cut. I'm saying that, that if they'd have compiled all the material that they shot and put it into some sort of chronological order as, a, as an assembly edit, if you like, it would have been five hours long. I'm sure that's the case for every film. You trim down, trim down, trim down, trim down, trim down until you get to what you're looking for. So there's stuff out there for Rise of Skywalker, I'm picking that as the first example, that wouldn't contradict other stuff, would only embellish what we saw and go deeper into things that were visually interesting or action sequences or whatever it might be. But I think once you get to a final edit, the director, the editor, and everybody around them, and specifically the composer who goes and writes his score off the back of what he's given, the visual effects artists who go and do their mojo on the material that they're given, it's locked to a degree in terms of story and what it is, and then everybody else goes and adds their flourish to it. So to come back and, and sort of start again, which is kind of what the Snyder Cut is, you know, he, he had his original shots, and then Joss Whedon came in and reshot and didn't, and Warner Brothers apparently wanted him to change this up, change that up. Kind of reminds me of Rogue One a bit. We want Star Wars version of Private Ryan. So he delivers the Star Wars version of Private Ryan. And they go, whoa, this is too much like Private Ryan. What was the guy supposed to do? It sounds like, from what we know, he did exactly what they wanted. Dantooine got mentioned. And it turns out that they planned a sequence in Rogue One that was the evacuation of Dantooine. Because if you remember, Leia sort of mentions, Leia, Leah, uh, mentions (laughs) that, uh, you know, she basically offers up Dantooine as a replacement for the destruction of Alderaan. And Tarkin says that's too remote. And then they blow up hold around, and then they send their probes and their people out to Dantooine. They go, well, there was a rebel base, but it's been evacuated. Our scout ships have reached Dantooine. They found the remains of a rebel base, but they estimate that it has been deserted for some time. They are now conducting an extensive search of the surrounding systems. She lied. She lied to us. It turns out that Dantooine was the first rebel base. They left it. They set up on the Avin. And Rogue One, being so close in proximity to A New Hope, would have shown you the evacuation of... Dantooine, and it said in in my research that sort of budgetary concerns and and yeah, I guess various other factors meant that they never they never progressed with that idea. So to see something like that, which historically is very key to what we saw forty odd years ago in A New Hope, would have been would be fascinating. So I think is it a Snyder cut? Is it is it something that you would consider completely continuity? We've just added Ewoks, draw, well, not droids, Ewoks, Caravan of Courage, all the other stuff to Disney Plus. We know that's not canon inverted commas but it's star wars and it's interesting to us so there's a value in it what do you think the snyder cut in particular is a very unique case now basically what happened was he stepped away from the project because he had a bereavement in his family and so they 
recruited Joss Whedon to to take over. Uh, and obviously Joss Whedon had done Avengers and that and has a, a different style to Zack Snyder. So there's an argument to say that basically they had to get somebody to fill the, the role who had a similar kind of, you know, resume. But I think the mistake was that they got Joss Whedon to do it because, like you said, tonally, the, the films didn't match at all. Um, and it's a mismatch. Now, when we get to, when we start to talk about director's cuts, most of the director's cuts tend to be longer because the reason why is normally the studios have come in and said, we need you to snip out 10 minutes or 20 minutes of a film. And it's normally the studios who've kind of interfered. And so actually what we see in the original theatrical release of a film isn't the true director's vision, shall we say. Um, it, you know, that's why, for instance, there's been so many different versions of like the Blade Runner. Um, you know, there's like seven or eight different iterations. And, and ironically, I think even Ridley Scott kind of said that the director's cut actually doesn't work quite as well as I think the theatrical cut because it's it's slower. But, you know, it's given the fans a chance to uh, see, like, you know, his his vision of that of that film and what he actually attended before, you know, the studios came in and said, no, we need you to to lose extra extra minutes because the longer the film, it puts people off sometimes and also then you can't get so many shows per day. So mm. it's, it's a box office money thing. So do you think if they did that then, do you think they should make it a sort of an in-continuity edit or do you think it should just be its own thing? Like, like Snyder's Justice League seems to be it's its own thing because the fans wanted it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think from what I'd read, there's, you know, the Snyder cut, but the fans really got behind it and they were, you know, they'd, they'd kind of hired billboards and Times Square and they've done all this stuff and really pressured the studio, enough for them to, for the studio to actually go, Actually, there's probably enough of a market to um to, to warrant this. Now, the question would be if, let's say, for instance, we get a Lord and Miller solo cut because they shot about eighty percent, or at least yeah. Ron Howard reshot eighty percent of it. So that's yeah. pretty much almost the entire film that had been in McCann. So how different would that have been? And is that just a tone thing, or is that actual story beats that we're we're now missing? Similarly, I would I would I think I would, out of all of them, I would really like to see the Gareth Edwards yeah. version of Rogue One, because I think that is the one that, you know, the studio kind of really interfered in the DNA of the of the, the film. The reason why I say interfered with the DNA of the film, because it was, like you said, he'd set out to make a certain film. And again, the, the JJ cut, or the mythical JJ cut, which I think a lot of people started hashtag and release that fairly soon after the rise of Skywalker. You know, friends who worked on the film said that they shot a lot, a, a lot of stuff. They, they shot more than they needed. The films that tend to shoot more than they need is because they don't actually know what they, they need. Whereas other films, yeah. you, you can actually have a really tight shooting ratio. Last Jedi, for instance, that came in under budget. And one reason why it came under budget is because Ryan Johnson knew what he wanted to shoot and shot what he needed rather than, you know, doing the George Lucas thing of kind of producing it in the, in the edit suite, which is yeah. like, just like, you know, there's two different ways of, of approaching film creation and narrative construction at the end of the day. So I'd love to see deleted scenes and and things like that. And the thing is, nowadays, if you put it on a Blu-ray, it's it's not hard to rip a Blu-ray and actually take that deleted scene and insert it into your final cut. And obviously, it becomes an unofficial fan release. But then it gives people an idea is actually not only why maybe that scene was deleted, but actually what would happen if that scene was actually included. Does it actually bring out any extra parts to the story? Sometimes you kind of, you know, things are left on the cutting room floor for a very good reason. But, you know, I mean, I don't think we're likely to see another special edition 
mm. where the special edition director's cut of the original trilogy supersedes and is now the, the canonized version of that film, you know, to the point whereby we can't even really get a decent theatrical version of Star Wars, you know, released without a special edition editions on it. The difference here is that, that Snyder was given that money to go back. And also yeah. the DCU, I mean, blimey, you had the Nolan trilogy, then you had mm. Green Lantern, which was supposed to be part of this new DCU, but it was awful, so they kind of ignore it. Man of Steel really kicked it off and everything forward, but DC's never remotely found its feet in the way that obviously Marvel has to, to huge success, so that it's an unfair comparison, really. But do you think that they would ever be the scenario? I don't think they would. I think it's a dead question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think they'd ever be the scenario where, for example, you have a Star Wars film and, and it's known that there was changes made to it, which we had with Solo, we had with Rogue One specifically, and not a wink of a complaint about either. I think they're both fantastic. So I wouldn't change them anyway. I'm curious, but I wouldn't change them. Do you think Lucasfilm or Disney would ever go to a director? Go on then, Gareth. It's 70 million. Go and do what you were going to do. And we'll it. release it as the, as the, you know, the Edwards cut of Rogue One. Do you think that will ever happen? I don't. I, I don't think so, because as much as I love Rogue One, I don't think it's an important as film. But the whole point of Justice League was this was really meant to be the foundation yeah. for a whole franchise. They're Avengers, yeah. It is there, totally their Avengers, whereas, okay, possibly if, you know, JJ had royally screwed up Force Awakens, then maybe, but it would depend on the circumstances because I think that's the thing because, like I said, it will come down to the circumstances. Obviously, Rogue One made 1.1 billion. That's a heck of a dose. So as far as I'm sure everybody at Disney's concerned, is it is a successful film. And from what we understand, at least from the optics we kind of saw, Gareth kind of went along and supported, you know, the final post-production and the revisions and stuff yeah. and stuck with it to his credit, I think. So therefore, maybe there's probably less need for that. You know, all those trailers that came out for Rogue One that we didn't really see, you know, any of that footage that we didn't see of them running down the beach and stuff, it would be great to see an alternate ending. And I think possibly they could do an alternate ending or like a, a double Blu-ray. And as long as I think there's a clear notification that there is still only one official Rogue One and this doesn't supersede it and stuff yeah. like that, then it's fine. I'm guessing with a Snyder Cut, this does this now supersede what was released in the in the theatre? I mean, I don't yeah, know how, how it so. changes. They're out of the early days of that franchise, really, whereby they can probably still retcon and change a lot of stuff and it could probably work. Whereas, you know, we're 40 years into a franchise of, of films that if you start to change too much, it's just going to... I think the wheels could fall off the wagon pretty quickly. Righty, so thanks to Lee for that question. Um, good to have a chat, Mark. That's all the chatting we're going to have a chance to do. But if you are like Lee and you do have a question, you're more than welcome to send it in. We love questions. Fill our sacks so we can just empty them all over the place again. But if you want to get in touch, listen to my good friend Mark and he will tell you how you can do it. If you want to be part of the action and stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit fanthetracks.com or check out the free... Whee! Panther Tracks app through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You can reach out to us and send in those listeners' questions by emailing radio at panthertracks.com. So send them in like Lee did this week. Send your questions in. As you can tell, we'll talk about anything. Comment, like, and share on any of our social media feeds at Panther Tracks. And be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher or spark speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Semple for composing our Panther Tracks intro, Adam O'Brien for the making tracks opening music, and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. 
Another episode in the can, only 18 to go till we reach 100 studio episodes. I think we'll be there by the summer the way we're going. I think so. And especially if we start doing like discussions and roundtables on every single episode of the Ewoks and the Clone Wars, that we easily can easily reach out, I reckon. It'd be great I fun. Fancy that. Yeah, I quite fancy that. Sounds like sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Until next week, my friend, take care. And everybody else, stay safe. May the force be with you. Coming up next on Fanta Tracks Radio, it's another episode of Making Tracks.